It's the year 2010. Apple releases the first iPad, helping people with poor vision play Angry Birds better. President Obama officially repeals the don't ask, don't tell military policy. We find out Bruno Mars loves you just the way you are. And not long ago, in the mysterious land of Toronto, Canada, Scott Pilgrim was dating a high schooler. It's time for the last action podcast! Pop quiz, hot shot! Hey, motherfucker. I feel the need. The need for speed. It's beats. We can kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Last Action Podcast. I am LPJ. We got Hovercraft Joe. What's up, LPJ? And you heard him at the top, going old school, bringing back an opening, the Glitch 86, or just a Glitch, or Tony, or whatever the hell you want to call him. Hey, Glitch. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. What's up? I'm happy to have you back. I, I want honestly, a I'm surprised you came back because I know you're not really a movies guy. It's not an action movies guy as much. So here's the thing: like I claim that I'm not much of an act of a movie guy. Period. I think I've seen a really large list of movies, but it's because my wife and her family have seen literally almost every movie that ever came out. So in my mind, in comparison, I think I'm not really a movie guy. But I have, I think I have a good library of stuff I've seen. Okay. Well, yeah, because you, you, you mentioned that, you know, whenever we do a show, and and you and you like it, you con- you comment on it. So I know you obviously listen to our show, and and watch movies. So that's why yes. I'm confused why you gave yourself that reputation. I think it, someone said that to me once in the Discord, and I just kind of was like, "Yep, yep, you know me, not the movie guy." <laughs> so I just kind of like went with it. Because I would have asked you to come back a long time ago. Nah. <laughs> you, just, you just pepper me in whenever you need me. Boom, boom. I'll just come in real quick and leave for a few months. All right, that's <laughs> I got that's you. That's the way I do it. Like herpes. Um... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Exactly like herpes. Little itchy. Little itchy. Yeah. He takes some medicine. It goes away for a while. But then it comes back sometimes. It's fine. Yeah. Um... I'm a pain in the ass just yeah. like herpes. <laughs> exactly. Totally. <laughs> Uh, you, <laughs> the movie you brought us though is, well, it's Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Oh yeah. And how long have we been talking about doing this movie, Joe? Um, quite a while. This is much like the mummy as in it was on the list of movies when I first started doing the podcast regularly and I gave you a list of movies that I wanted to do. And this is one of them. That was a while ago now. We were just getting to it. So we have talked about it for quite a bit. So Yeah, and I had for talked you. about it prior to that, too. Like, before you had mentioned it, I'm like, yeah, I should, we should do Scott Pilgrim at some point. Yeah, when you messaged me to let me know that, like, this was happening, I was pretty excited about <laughs> it. Because 
because I actually hadn't. I mean, watched, sat down and watched the entire movie in, in a in a little bit. So it was it was kind of fun to revisit it for the podcast. So I was super I, excited. I had just watched the they just did like a, the tenth anniversary read through. Yeah, I, I watched some of that. Yeah, I watched the whole thing one day, and uh, and then glitch. You mentioned that you wanted to do Scott Pilgrim, and I'm, it was like the stars aligned. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because we just came up on the tenth anniversary. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I saw the same read from um, Entertainment Weekly. They yeah. put that together. It was good. Or yeah. the, the water crisis. Yeah. Right? Yep. No, it was good. I, yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I watched like half of it. I need to go back and finish and, and watch the whole thing. But what I saw was was really good. And it was pretty crazy that they had, you know, the majority of the cast back, considering some of those people are pretty famous now. Yeah. The only ones they didn't have were Brie Larson and um, Kieran Culkin. Those were the only two that didn't make it. Everybody yeah. else was there, and they had um, they have they had somebody else. Oh, and Neil, the one who plays. Oh young Neil yeah, Young Neil wasn't there. That's right. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think it helps, obviously, given the times we're in, where a lot of people are still at home. Not you know, they have a lot more free time. I think if you're famous, you're not really. I mean, maybe not so much now. They're starting to get back to film things and, and stuff like that. But at the time, it's kind of like, well, we're not doing anything, so <laughs> might as well. Yeah. Um. But yeah, well, we kind of we kind of just hinted at it, but uh, the release date on this is August thirteenth, two thousand ten. Uh, so, like you said, just just hit that ten year anniversary. Um, you uh, you brought us this movie, but obviously we all we all love it. But what do you have as far as kind of your your memories, your your first uh, you know viewing or or, or that kind of thing, history with it? I guess uh, glitch. So I have like a really strange history with this. Uh, it was like probably two thousand fifteen. The first time I saw this, it had hit Netflix. And I had played the game over a friend's house. I really didn't know much about the comic books. And I was at home. The wife was at work. And I just saw it on there. I was like, I've heard a lot about this. Let me let me watch this movie. So I sat down and watched it. And by the end of the movie, my face was like Knives' face when she first hears the band. <laughs> like, this is amazing. I watched it three times that day. <laughs> and then I probably have watched it like once a month since then. So like the last five years, I probably watched this movie once a month. That is insane. Like if I'm cleaning the house or I'm doing something around the house, I just turn the movie up full blast in the room and then just like do whatever I need to do for the day. Yeah, it's it's definitely that kind of movie where you can just throw it on and just watch it. Like it doesn't really require you to pay attention to it that much. And, but every time you do pay attention to it, it's just highly – everything about it is entertaining. Yeah. yeah. But I'm sorry because I missed, like, all the hype, like, the original initial hype. And, like, looking at these dates, like, the movie came out on August 13th. The game came out on August 10th. The last book in the series came out on July 20th. Like, it's all within a month of each other. Yeah. yeah. Well, what was crazy was because, like, my fr- Joe and I saw it in the theaters together. And yes. that I don't know if it was opening day, but it was right around. Yeah, it had to be. It had to be close to opening day. Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't remember. I didn't know a ton about it. I remember seeing the preview for it and thinking, "Oh, this looks like a really cool movie. We should probably see it." And then, you know, after we watched it, like our friend group loved it, but then I didn't really hear anybody else talk about it. Like the the hype for it was there when it came out, and then it kind of disappeared. Yeah. And then, like, over time, it really kind of escalated and grew into a bigger thing. 
the glitches of the world discovered it and yeah. realized how great of a movie it was. Yeah. It was a slow burn. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's it's become one of those, like, you know, the term it's tossed out, but I mean, I really think it is like a cult classic. It's something that wasn't fully appreciated. And, and to kind of, like, back that up, like, the numbers on this, so the budget on this movie was $85 million, and it had a domestic gross of 31 Oof. and a worldwide of 47 million. So it was a bomb at the theaters to that that's being generous to say it's a bomb because that's like barely half it's uh and that and that, like we always say like that budget doesn't even necessarily include like the PA, you know, like the advertising and the publicity right. and all that stuff. So um definitely not uh well received at the box office. However, the Rotten Tomatoes on it is 82%, so it was liked by critics, and the audience score is 84%. So people that saw it liked it. It's just nobody, nobody saw it when it was out. Yeah. And like and and I think, you know, I mean, I have since read all the the volumes uh, of the comic book, but like going into the movie, I think it was solely we you know, we saw the trailers, but also we were like, well, we just like Edgar Wright. Yep. So let's go see this Edgar Wright movie because but then afterwards after seeing it, then after reading, you know, I, I, I hadn't, I, and I mentioned this, I hadn't watched this in a little bit, but I have seen this movie a ton. Like I, I had the DVD and then I had the Blu-ray and then, but I did watch it on Netflix this time, but yeah, it, it's very, like you said, it's very watchable and it's just like one of those ones where you can put it on and kind of like, all right, I get it. You know, like, um, and I'm sure even you're probably glitch, probably your appreciation of it, just like, on a just from like a video game perspective too, it's got to be like even like that extra bit higher than like the appreciation, you know. Oh, yeah, I mean, they have so many references. Oh and my god, yes. As you know, as I was going back through and like writing them down, it's it. I didn't realize how many there were, but I I remember all of them. Oh yeah, and it's just yeah. Like you can pick them out. Like every time something happens, it's like oh that's that. Oh that's yeah. that. Oh there's that thing. Like. They're instantly recognizable, even though they're really, really small things. Um, yeah, I, I remember and like, go ahead. I was going to say, and that's the wonderful thing about having Edgar Wright on this, you know, to to make a movie adaptation of Brian, Brian O'Malley's comic is because they're both huge fans of video games. I mean, Brian O'Malley is the one who peppered in all these, like, you know, small video game titles into every little thing. Like, oh, we need a name for something. I'll make a, a video game or I'll do like a little jingle. How would you write? We'll put a little tone inside something when a, something happens in the movie. It's just really cool that those two big video game fans came together and made this really interesting film. Yeah. You know, and I don't think anybody but Edgar Wright could have made this movie. I agree. Like, I don't think yeah, there, there's no, it, this, this, it's like this movie was this script and this idea was tailor made for him to make. Yeah, and I, I feel like he's the kind of like, like the kind of like collaborative mind, and just like the, the just willing to like kind of sink everything into it and get it right. Like that's just how I think he does most of his movies. So I think something that has as many references and is just like I think he is, like you said, like the perfect and maybe the only person that can pull this off and get the result that we have. You know, now <laughs> I don't know what it would be like had someone else tried to make this movie. Yeah. And I, I and you know like eighty million dollars for a budget seems high for me for whatever reason, because the like the CGI that's in it, it doesn't seem like it's CGI. You know what I mean? 
Like, it seems like it, I mean, not, I'm not saying it's realistic. What I'm saying is it's, it doesn't seem like, it, it seems stylistic and, and cartoony and video gamey. And I wouldn't think right. that something like that would cost that much to do, but obviously it did. Well, and, and plus I just think there's so much of it. Like there's yeah, so much, true. like just every, you think about it, almost every scene has some kind of effect or something they're throwing into it. So I'm sure that that was a, Plus, like, yeah, I mean, not that these people probably paid, got paid a ton to be in this movie, but, I mean, there is a, a big, big cast yeah. <laughs> of people yeah. in this movie. Well, that's so, the other I'm, thing. I mean, we obviously haven't gotten into the cast yet, but, um, like, the pedigree of people that are in this movie at the time didn't seem like much, but now it's huge. Like, all of the people in this film are, they've gone on to do gigantic things. Yeah. I mean, For I sure. think at the time, Michael Sarah was probably the biggest actor in it. Yeah, he, had, he had just come off of um Well no Jason Schwartzman probably. Oh Schwartzman, yeah. yeah. But Schwartzman probably. Yeah, Schwartzman, yeah. Schwartzman is this, in him. Is, this is this before or after uh Brandon Ralph played uh Superman? Uh this would have been is, after. This would have been right after, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Or actually no, not even right after. It would have been like five or six years after. Yeah, because I think oh, it was like oh five or oh six was Yeah, it was Man of Steel. Uh, Superman Returns. Or Superman Returns. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Got it. I wasn't sure about that. Um, okay. So 2010, we talked about uh, top grossing movies of 2010. You got Toy Story 3. You got Alice in Wonderland. And you got Iron Man 2. Uh, this film, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, came in 92nd for the year. It broke 100. And, <laughs> and the only other movie that we have done in 2010 was number 21, The Other Guys. So... Uh, yeah, love that movie. So good. Um, but it, it's definitely a year that we have not hit that much. So, hmm. Yeah, I can't uh, think of a lot of movies that we would have done other than like Iron Man 2. Yeah, well, we'll do Iron Man 2 someday. Trust me. <laughs> You're not going to do Toy Story 3? Is that ac- action sequence at the end? like it's so funny like this is just a quick side note but like i talk to people at work all the time about like oh maybe do you want to be on the podcast and it's like we go like back and forth with like movies about like well is that an action movie i'm like listen we're pretty open but like people trying to convince me to do space jam on the podcast and i'm like it's not gonna happen (laughs) like not gonna happen will you guys ever consider crime dramas well as a matter of fact we we did heat. We did heat. Like, yeah. And because I, mean, I messaged cool, LPJ two movies. You did. <laughs> he, he sent a message back that one of them doesn't qualify as an action film. I thought, <laughs> no. Really? Like you could tell. I, him. I, I won't spoil it. No, I'll say what it was. It's fine. We're not going to do it. So go ahead. Okay. It was Memento. Oh, okay. I, I think the problem is is that like we've kind of at this point figured out which movies were good which ones don't work as well for the podcast so we're so our, our decisions now are more like do we think this would be one that would be good to talk about or is it going to be like right. i think that's how we work in a lot of stuff like i'll that. tell you off air i'll tell you what our next two movies are and you will totally understand <laughs> <laughs> all right um but anyways let's uh let's we, we kind of hinted at it but let's run through the cast quickly we'll try and go quickly because there are so many people so i'm going to go through and if i miss anyone you guys want me to mention let me know Right. So we have uh, Michael Sarah as Scott, Pil- Scott Pilgrim. You have Mary Elizabeth Weinstead as Ramona Flowers. Uh, Kieran Culkin as Wallace Wells. Chris Evans as Lucas Lee. Uh, Anna Kendrick as Stacy Pilgrim. Brie Larson as uh, M.V. Adams. 
uh, Allison Pill as Kim Pine, Aubrey Plaza as Julie Powers, Brandon Routh as Todd Ingram, uh, Jason Schwartzman as Gideon Graves. Uh, we also have Mark Weber as Stephen Steels, Stephen Stills, sorry, uh, Mae Whitman as Roxy, Ellen Wong as Knives Chow. Um, anyone else that I didn't mention? Oh, I forgot. Thomas Jane is in this movie. <laughs> Thomas Jane, Bill Hader's in it. He's a vo- he, he has a voiceover. Yeah, he does all the voices in the background, like the arcade. Yeah, and when they're talking about his haircut, that's all. That's all, that's Bill, all Hader, Bill Hader, which I think is great. Which uh, I guess I never knew that before until like doing the research on this, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I guess that makes sense." Yeah. Uh, Clifton yeah, Collins Jr. is in here. Oh, sorry, good. I was gonna say it's definitely not something you notice right away, no. but when you do know it, it's like a like glass shattering. You can't unhear it. Bill Hader's voice after that point. Oh yeah, who's 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 Clifton Collins Jr.? He's a character actor, but most recently he was in he was in Westworld. He's in a lot of different things. He was the he's the other vegan police officer. Yep. yep. And then Ben Lewis, who is um, the future Oliver Queen, the the Oliver Queen's son in the future, on Arrow. Oh really? Yeah, he's uh, other Scott in this, the other gay Scott. Oh jeez! Uh, oh yeah, I guess that's right. Yeah, I will say, fun fact, uh, Thomas Jane and Clifton Collins were the only actors in the movie that were over 30. <laughs> yep. That's what, and I, I, like I said, I hadn't seen this while. I completely forgot that Thomas Jane was in it. And then he showed up, and I'm like, oh, yeah, Thomas <laughs> Jane. <laughs> Thomas Jane. I do love the fact that Scott Pilgrim not only beats up Captain America and Superman, but he dated <laughs> Captain Marvel and gets saved by the Punisher. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a true comic book comic book crossover movie. It's pretty. I can, I can I can appreciate that a lot. Um, all right, so now that we've talked about the sprawling cast, let us try and go as fast as we can through some net worths. All right, you guys ready? Yes. Yeah, let's do it. All right, uh, May Whitman. Uh, oh, you know what? Two no, million. Five. One million. Uh, Brandon Routh. Oh, four million. Twenty-five. Uh, 12 million. Okay. Uh, Brie Larson. 50. Okay. I'm going to go 60. 25. Uh, Jason Schwartzman. 25. 40. 20 million. Uh, Aubrey Plaza. Go ahead, Glitch. 35. 15. (laughs) 6. Oh, damn. Uh, Allison Pill. 10 million. 2. Two million. There you go. Uh, okay, come more. Kieran Culkin. Ten million. Didn't he sue his parents? Um, <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, you might have got something. From <laughs> he that. might have. Uh, Fifteen. Uh, four million. Uh, okay, four more. Anna Kendrick. Fifty-five million. Okay. Forty. Twenty million. <laughs> well, we're, we're really yeah, over. We're really, we're really shooting for the stars here. Chris Evans. Uh, 120. Everyone's been kind of low, so I'm going to go a little bit lower than I think 60 million. 80 million. Okay. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winston. 4 million. 10. 10. 6. Okay. And then finally, Michael Sarah. 7 million. 4. 20. Jeez. Stop wow. Michael, Michael Sarah's Sarah. got tw- Michael Sarah, Hold on. Michael Sarah has $20 million. He's got that arrested development money, yo. Oh, I forgot he was on that show. 
He was in a lot of stuff. I, I can't I imagine like, he got that much from that show because that was his first role, wasn't it? His first big role. Yeah, but he's done a couple more seasons. And it only lasted, what, two seasons, got canceled, came back later. I feel like he's done more than you guys think. Yeah, he's been in a lot of movies that we saw. Yeah. Especially around that time. Good for you, Michael. Yeah, all right, fine. He can invest, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so, excuse me, we've discussed this already, but the director is Edgar Wright. Uh, This is our second Edgar Wright movie we've actually covered, so... um, Yeah, Hot Fuzz, right? Yep. Yeah, we did Hot Fuzz, That was one of the first movies you guys did, wasn't it? Um, It was was close. It was uh, within the first 20. Yeah, I can't remember when. I mean, I was on the episode. I remember doing it. It was with Paul, my my, uh, brother-in-law, Paul. Yeah, so, um, so, you know... We know Edgar Wright. We know we, we should we should do Baby Driver sometime. That's it. I've never seen it. Oh, you never have. Okay, no. let's put that on the on the list at some no. point. Um, so writers on this are uh, Edgar Wright and Michael Bacall, uh, and obviously the graphic novels were written by Brian Lee O'Malley. And I, from what all all reports, he was heavily involved in helping with the script and, and mm-hmm. writing it, and rewriting it, and stuff like that. And he was also finishing up the uh, the comics at the time, like so. I, and I think they said that the movie was finished before the last volume even came out. Yeah, so, like, the last volume, like, a lot of them follow, like, pretty closely, but there's a lot of stuff in the last volume that's different or not in the movie at all because it just wasn't done when they were making the movie. So Yep. Actually, the ending um, changed, too, because of that as well. Partially. Yes, they, they, filmed the, they filmed an ending, and then they ended up um, changing it and aligning it more with the actual ending that they have in the comics. Right. Which I was confused too because I forgot. I thought it was the other way around. I thought the original ending of the movie was the ending of the comics, but I just got confused. <laughs> um, and then the composer on this, uh, Ni- Nigel Goodrich, which um, he is like most, I'd say most famous, known for being like Radiohead's producer and does like all their all their albums and stuff. He yeah. works pretty much exclusively with them. So, and that's one of the things we should mention too. Yes, there's a composer. But the music was the music throughout this film. Obviously, Edgar Wright puts a, a big emphasis on music in general in all of his films, and kind of Taylor makes each individual scene to match whatever music he's putting in it. And um, a lot of this music was written by famous people. So, like mm-hmm. Beck did a lot of this. Uh, Beck wrote all of the songs for Scott Pilgrim's band. Um, Scott, Scott um, Sex Bob Bomb. Sex Bob Bomb. Yep. Uh, and then there's various other people who've written music as well. Broken Social Scene is a Canadian group that wrote it um and actually here's the, the fun fact i found for you joe the so that they had to learn how to play all their instruments right yeah so the uh the music supervisor the person who kind of taught them all how to play was chris murphy from sloan oh shoot yeah he was on yeah. set every day as the music supervisor to keep all the music kind of working on set yeah well this movie's like like you said, it's crazy, like involved with like all kinds of like Canadian indie rock people, like from Bro- Broken Social Scene and Metric and, and all these like bands that are, are kind of a night. I think that's another thing that kind of like, like Brian Lee O'Malley's like kind of love for video games, but also like his love for music and like Canadian indie rock is kind of infused into the graphic novel. So it kind of comes out in the movies as well. So, and that's a big Canadian indie rock is a big thing here in Detroit too, because we're obviously real close to the border. And uh, I know it. You and I have certainly listened to plenty of it. 
Mm-hmm. For sure. Oh, and even, uh, the, the, I mean, this isn't like a, a groundbreaking fact, but the actual, even the name of the, the, the comic book series in the movie, Scott Pilgrim, comes from a uh, Plum Tree song, which Plum Tree is another yep. uh, Canadian indie rock yep. band. So uh, that's that's why in the movie he wears, in the one scene, he has the Plum Tree shirt on as a kind of uh, homage to that, where the name of the comic came from. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I'm going to talk gonna... a lot about the apparel that everyone wears throughout this movie. <laughs> But we're going to play a little bit of music, LPJ? Yes. We're going to try and play a little bit of music, but there's so much of it. Uh, yeah. First, we're going to play, uh, well, we're going to play We Are Sex Bomb. That's kind of their, the, Scott Pilgrim's band, Sex Bomb. That's kind of their anthem. So we'll play a little bit of that right now. just a little bit of that song because there's so much music in this <laughs> by the way i think you said the name of that song wrong oh isn't it called launchpad mcclack mcquack <laughs> well that's yes 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 and no it's launchpad mcquack and then they say no we're not naming it that <laughs> so it's it's on the soundtrack it's called we are sex with them yes um we've also got um what do we want to play? What was the first link you sent me? Was that the Envy Adam song? Mm-hmm. Okay. Clash of Demon Head. Yep. So Clash of Demon Head is uh, the rival band uh, with also an NES game. Also an NES game. Have you played it? Yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know that till today. That when I was doing the when I was looking at it, I didn't realize that that was a, a video game. It's super <laughs> obscure. Oh, he's getting up from his check. Okay, he's getting up from his check from his desk. Behind him is an unused sewing machine, an arcade he's- cabinet. There's boxes everywhere, an empty chair, obviously where he was sitting. He's now returning his headphones around it. No, he's and he has oh, it right there. Clash it. at Demonhead. It's got a sweet looking. Uh, it's got a sweet looking cover. Yeah, it's an awesome cover. Is the game any good? Uh, the music is good. The, the game's pretty clunky. <laughs> the music is good. Is the game good? No, the music's good. Okay. Uh, speaking of music, so the Clash of Demon Head song, what's the name of the song? I can't remember. Uh, Black Sheep. Black Sheep. Here we go. Hello again, friend of a friend. I knew you were. I come and go, was waiting for. And that is um, Brie Larson actually singing, I believe, correct? It is, yes, it's a, it's a song that's written by the band Metric. 
it's their song and there's there's i mean there's obviously a version with emily haynes who's the lead singer of metric but also she brie larson sang it for the movie and this is a version with her which i i honestly like i really like this song. it's good <laughs> i'm with you, like, I'm with like you I and i prefer the the brie larson version over yeah. the me- me- metric but uh on the album it's the metrics version that's on the on the vinyl uh, are we playing one more thing? Yeah, sure. Which, which one do we want to play? Uh, I thought we were going to play Crash and the Boys song. Yeah, that's the second link you sent me, correct? Uh, yeah, probably. All right. <laughs> I don't know. We'll find out. I'm going to hit the link, and uh, we'll see what happens. Here we go. Crash and the Boys? Maybe? <laughs> That's enough of that. It's called that's called We Hate You Die Please. <laughs> or We Hate You Please Die. I'm I'm sorry. Uh did you um, did you have Threshold still queued up? Because I like that one a lot. Threshold? Yeah, that was the last link I think Joe sent. Alright, well we'll see what happens. All right. <laughs> Here we go. About death and get sad and stuff. <laughs> Good news. It, that was threshold. <laughs> yeah, and and I think um like all the music in this is I mean and like we discussed it was all written by you know but it, it's all legitimately good like I enjoy like all the songs that play throughout this and that's one of the things I kind of forgot about is how much I actually enjoy the music and you know I have the soundtrack and I haven't listened to it in a while but I'm gonna have to dust it off and uh, give it a give it a good listen now after revisiting this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have. I don't have it. I I really need to get that soundtrack. Um, the one other thing I had here I wanted to cover before we start kind of going through the plot of this is I I looked into the taglines. Uh, I don't I don't like either of them, but I'm gonna go through them with you guys. <laughs> um, tagline number one. I don't know why I said it like that. The first one I have is an epic of epic epicness, which is like okay, I'm not a huge fan of that one. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one is get the hot girl, defeat her evil exes, hit love where it hurts. And I don't really like that one either. I like that one a little bit. Eh. I like that one a little bit. <laughs> eh. LPJ is not thrilled. Not thrilled. He says, he says, <laughs> man. Eh. So, um, eh. But those were the only ones that I had written. Uh, anything anyone want to mention before we start kind of going through the plot of this? No, we're 30 minutes in. We should probably get to the plot. Yeah. <laughs> you are always the time police on these episodes. <laughs> Somebody LPJ. has to do it. Well, we're the vegan police, so I don't know what you're talking about. The good, the good news is, though, Glitch, like I always tell them, like, 
he can point out the time, but what's he gonna do? Like turn off turn off the recording in the middle of the episode? There's really nothing you can do besides point out how long it's been. It's fake power. So <laughs> um all right. So let's let's try and go through this. This is gonna be I'm gonna need your guys' help for this because a lot of times my notes are very detailed. This one is mainly just when I've seen a movie a lot, it's mainly just like, oh yeah, this and that and this, and like me writing down quotes and stuff. So um should this be one where we do more of like a macro overview and then kind of get into all the specifics we want to talk about? Or yeah. I just want to go through this. Yeah. I mean, we'll kind of, we'll rough in the plot and then kind of take it from there. Cause I, there, I have a feeling that we're all going to have individual things that we'll want to talk about in the specific scenes. Um, and we're just going to kind of be able to free flow it. Okay. I take your silence <laughs> as a yes. Excellent. I'm glad, uh, glad you all agree silently. There is a, much appreciated. I'll edit that out later. No, I won't. Sure, sure you no, will. No, I won't. <laughs> Who am I kidding? We'll be lucky if I get the opening in. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay. Speaking of which, is the universal theme done in 8-bit style, which I absolutely love. Yeah, that is awesome. It's such a nice little, like, kind of intro, which, you know, you heard at the top of the episode, but it's nice to um, just kind of let you know what you're in for, like, right at the beginning of this. Yeah, there were, there were two moments in this that blew my mind that's when i knew like i was in for something special and it was when that played and then the other time was when the very first fight the matthew patel fight where the fight actually breaks out and they start doing video game moves because before then like so the movie starts and we'll get into this in a little bit but it just kind of there's like little touches of video game stuff in it nothing really overly you know exciting and then the matthew patel fight hits and they actually start video game fighting that's where my mind was blown and i'm like what am i watching this is the greatest thing i've ever seen um so yeah so the beginning of the movie we're introduced to uh scott pilgrim he uh, this obviously this whole movie takes place in toronto um he's dating a high schooler uh who is nice chow um, and we're introduced to the band and all the band members. Um, I, I thought you guys probably both really liked that part where she asks uh, young Neil what he plays. And he's uh-huh. like, he's, he's like uh, Zelda, Tetris. He's like, that's kind of a big question. Yeah. I, don't, I, guess, I I feel like that you guys could really uh, uh, I related. That I related to yeah. it. Yeah. I, and I, I love that, that he's, he's playing Link to the Past uh, uh, on the Game Boy Advance through this entire opening, too. So you can hear, like, every once in a while, like, a chest open or a door <laughs> yep. or something. Just, like, a little, little noise. Which, by the way, so uh, Edgar Wright had actually written a letter to Nintendo. I saw this, yeah. To get use of their music, because he's like, it's just like, you know, the fairy tale of our generation. <laughs> and then Lennon, um, which is, which is yeah. completely outside of Nintendo's norm. So, so yeah, so we're introduced to him and the band, uh, Sex bob um, I do like the line when, uh, <laughs> I like how, like, much uh, Kim dislikes him throughout the whole movie. <laughs> I like this at the beginning when she, when he, she said, Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Like, that, that's a great line to me. <laughs> um, uh, then, we're, then we're introduced to uh, his roommate, Wallace. Uh, I, I really like when they show their little apartment and that with all the graphics of, like, who owns what, like, in the apartment, and it's all, like, walls and stuff, except for, like, two things, I think, are Scott's. Yeah, I love all the fourth wall stuff that they do to kind of fill you into the gaps. Because, I mean, there's a lot of story to be told. I mean, there's six books in this series. So they're trying to, like, squeeze as much in. You know, oh, this is his age, this is his interests. You know, these are his sisters, his brothers. So, like, 
Uh, it has like all the stuff kind of just like pop up every time they introduce a new character. And it does that with almost all of the characters throughout the entire movie. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> yep. I agree. Oh, oh you please continue. Like you had something more, I feel like you had something more to say. Um, we get kind of like a uh, montage of him, like interacting with knives, like kind of going on this, like doing all this stuff. They go to pizza pizza, which is what they call little Caesars in Canada. Which Actually, I you know what? They're not affiliated. They're not surprise. I found out they are not pizza pizza. It's its own thing. It has nothing to do with little Caesars. Now who would have thought that there was a, a, a pizza place with like orange and white colors named pizza pizza. That has nothing to do with little Caesars. Yeah. Well, that's it. I'm leaving. <laughs> I, I did not know that. Um, so this is a dumb question. I know what you guys are telling me, but that video game that they play, is that a real game or is that just invented mm, for the, uh, the Ninja Ninja revolution? Yeah. No, that's just it's just basically like Dance Dance Revolution right. for Samurai Ninjas. Okay. I didn't yeah. know if it was an actual thing. It looks like it would be kind of fun to play. And I mean, uh that's Bill Hader's voice doing all the like you know, combo, combo. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so he, he starts having like these he has like this dream where he's in the desert and he sees uh it's the, our first glimpse of Ramona. She's like skating through the desert. And then he goes to the library with knives and he sees her there. Yeah. So the, the dream thing is like something called the subspace, which I don't fully understand, but in the novels, they really go into it. Yeah. They use the whole subspace stuff a lot. And it's kind of just like Ramona can travel through, you know, his memory to, to get where she needs to faster essentially is what it is. So anytime in the movie, when he goes into like this desert place, that's the subspace. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The, the graphic novels explain there's a whole there's a lot of stuff in the graphic novels that didn't specifically make it into the movie. And that's a large part of it. Like the door yeah. at the very end that they go through. That's all that yeah. all has its own subplot. Well, yeah. And, and like like Glitch said, I mean, it's six books. So they kind of had to condense, you know, and kind of like maybe not get into some things as much as they do, obviously, in the books. Um, OK. So they go to uh, Julie's party. I love uh, Como there. Uh, he's a guy that I recognize from being in stuff, but he always he always cracks me up. Uh, oh, he's, yeah, he's always... one of my favorite characters in this movie because he has the best lines. I think. Yeah. What does he good. say at the party? What's he talking about? Is he saying that he's like the the uh, book is better than the movie, or he's saying or something like I can't remember what he's saying. When he he's says that towards the, the end. I'll, I'll, I'll mention those quotes later. He, uh, but no, he just says. Like, he knows everybody. So, like, anytime Scott has a question. But I love, like, Scott goes up to me and is like, hey, do you know a girl that looks like this? And it's just, like, poor drawing uh-huh. of a girl with squeaky lines. And he automatically knows, oh, yeah, that's Ramona. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, clearly that's Ramona. <laughs> yeah. And he, so, like, we get that, that, that fun part in the party where he's kind of, like, going around just, like, asking everybody what they know about Ramona. And he finds out, like, that she's American She's like, got oh. battle scars, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like all the stuff. Because he because he tries to talk to her at the party, and it's like a disaster. Like uh, like he uh, tries to tell his story about uh, Pac Man being called Puck Man, and it goes really poorly. I think that's when he's like, "Okay, I'll leave you alone forever now," and he kind of walks off. But um, uh, I like that. I also like when he goes back to the um, he's back at the apartment, and Wallace shows back up drunk and is somehow like texting <laughs> while he's passed out drunk. Like that really cracks me up too. Um, he gets that he gets the email from Matthew Patel, which is like such a funny thing to like 
for like after the first time he sees to go back and he starts kind of reading it, but he's like, oh, it's so boring. So he doesn't read it. And basically the email is like outlining the whole league of evil exes and how they're going to fight <laughs> and all this stuff. But he's just like too, too. And like I think that's like the whole thing. And I mean, we'll get into a little more about like Scott's character is he's just kind of this like, I don't know the way to describe it, but he's very like he's a selfish slacker. Essentially, is how I imagine that. He's his own self worth is worth more than anyone else. Yeah, exactly. That's that's very well put, Glitch. I, I was trying to think of it, and you 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 put it into words. Um, uh, then you get the attack hug, which, by the way, when uh, right after uh, LBJ messaged me that we we're doing this movie, I got a message from uh, the Glitch that just said attack hug. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was pretty excited. Yeah, it was like right after you sent me, and then I was like, wait, what? Oh, I got it. So um, he, <laughs> he, they get uh, Sex Bob-omb, they get uh, into the Battle of the Bands. They find out that the winner of the Battle of Bands is going to get a contract with G-Man Records out of New York. Um, he has another dream about Ramona, which I guess is not a dream because they're in the subspace. Um, he orders a package from Amazon because she works for Amazon uh, just so she'll come and deliver it. And so she shows up and he takes it and he like immediately throws it in the trash, which they said he actually did that. Like he actually like threw it behind him and got it in the trash. Pop quiz hot shot. How many takes did it take for him to get it in the trash? 33. I know this. <laughs> 33, yeah. Yeah, 33. <laughs> um, so, um, uh, sorry, I lost So he asks her out. So, so he does the battle of the bands. So that's where we're at. There's the concert, Battle of the Bands. They face Cra- uh, Crash and the Boys? Crash and the Boys, yeah. Because they, they go on a date, and then he invites her. Like, he stays the night at her place. Uh, that's where you get the part where she goes through all the different kinds of tea. Oh, which yeah. I guess, right. Which I guess she actually memorized all the different kinds of tea, and she could actually rattle them off. Um, but then he invites her to come to the Battle of Bands, the first round. That's where they're playing Crash and the Boys. And I love that little bit. It makes me laugh every time when they when they're like, "Oh, we're crashing the boys," and Wallace is just like, "Is that girl a boy?" Because <laughs> <laughs> that drummer's a girl. It's and not a race, like, boys. <laughs> Wallace in that scene is hilarious. Like just all the stuff that he shouts, like like uh, like when he yells the thing about like uh, Matthew Patel's like outfit, like ask him what he's wearing, and then the guy's like, "Yeah, are you a pirate?" Oh, go ahead. You, you're, you're probably going to say what I was going to say. What are you going to say? That the guy who says, uh, are you a pirate? That's the, uh, that's uh, Bacall. That's the, uh, Writer. Uh, the, guy that, the guy that co-wrote it with uh, yeah. um, Edgar Wright, which I didn't know until today. So, um, but yeah, so they have the, the they're playing with the uh, Crash and Wood. There's some really great stuff in that first scene. I love when Crash and the Boys is playing and like Steven Stills is having that like freak out. <laughs> and he's like yelling, but you can't really hear him because they're, they're playing so loud. Like, I love that part of it. And I love when Scott sees that like Ramona and Knives are like sitting next to each other talking and you just get that, oh no, this is a nightmare. Just like the way it is. And like, it's hard to describe, but the way it happens in the movie is like so good. Like the, the graphics and the way it kind of zooms in. I, I love it. It's so much. It's so great. I love uh, Wallace hitting on Anna Kendrick's boyfriend too. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah. And that's when Matthew Patel shows up and, and they start their fight, which I do kind of like the fact that this movie never, in the comic books, really, either. I, never, I don't think it really ever explains why Scott can fight. He just can fight really good. Yeah, he just can't. He just, 
Yeah, but they, but like you said, and this whole first fight is like you know just like a, a fight in a in a video game. You get like the combo scores and like all this stuff, and it, it's it's really great. And I love um I love when all this breaks out and they get like the reactions of like Anna Kendrick, and she's just like so confused. And it's just like what is going on? Like she, it's like two different times. Like when they first start fighting, and I think when he starts like singing and doing the doing song. the Bollywood yeah. number. Yeah, yeah. Funny yeah. thing, the first time I watched this movie, when he stops and starts singing that song, I literally said, "What?" And then Anna Kendrick's character goes, "What?" And I was like, "Okay, so the movie knows how I feel at this moment." Oh yeah, yeah. It, it's really great. Yeah, because like it's, she's basically like the audience, and that just like, wait, what? What's yeah. going on? Uh, um, but, they, so when they introduce Matthew Patel, uh, they kind of ask Ramona, like, you know, what happened between you two? And when she describes their relationship, they do this, like, cartoony comic strip animation, which I love that they kind of just pull away from, you know, the real situation and can, you know, visualize it better through this illustration. Yeah. I thought well, that was yeah. pretty Some cool. Some of those scenes were taken right from the graphic novel. Yeah. Well, do you know who uh, who drew those? illustrations this for, is a pop quiz for the that. movie yeah i don't uh that was edgar wright's brother oscar oh, oh really yeah so actually a lot of the graphic stuff they did for the movie his brother oscar and actually for a lot of movies he does oscar will do a lot of the artwork for it huh that's really that's really interesting because i i think i always just assumed that it was brian brian Lee O'Malley. O'Malley, yeah because it's very i mean it looks very much like um like it doesn't was it he was on that um that that reunion call you guys yeah. were talking about and he was like doing drawings yep. of things while they were yeah that was really <clears> cool. he did hand drawings yeah um so yeah so he starts singing and he's like shooting fireballs and stuff and crashing the boys they get obliterated by a fireball which <laughs> is really funny but then um so he ends up beating Matthew Patel you get the great uh KO uh which is uh, it's from a game right like they lifted Street the Fighter? actual Street Fighter yeah, yeah. okay yeah 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 and then the um, coins drop. Yeah, the two two dollars and forty cents and change, which is not even enough apparently to get a bus in Toronto. Um, but yeah, he finds out that there's seven evil exes. Blah blah blah. You get the next scene. I love when they use the Seinfeld music in it. It's so great, it makes me laugh every time. And like that scene where he's going around, and they even have like the laugh track going and stuff. It's great. Um, yeah, first and a half base. <laughs> Uh, Wallace wants Scott to break up with knives because he hasn't done it yet. He's technically dating them both. Um, he, we get our first mention of Lucas Lee. I love that little clip from the movie he's watching on Spike <laughs> TV, Cold Cold Call, uh, uh-huh. where, where he's like in the phone booth, and I can't remember what he says. He's like, um, he says, ah, the, I, the first click you hear will be be <laughs> hanging up the phone. The second clip will be me pulling the trigger or something like that. Yeah, no, that's pretty yeah. much it. Yeah, that, that's right. Um, Ramona comes over for like a date with Scott at the apartment. That's that great part where they're eating the bread and <laughs> she tells him that what makes you, what makes like, oh. you fat. Yeah, he's like, I could eat bread for every meal all day. And she's like, yeah, but you get fat. Bread makes you fat. <laughs> That's always funny. Um, <laughs> so they go to, uh, they go out to where Lucas Lee is filming this movie. They meet up with Wallace. That's where we're introduced to Lucas Lee, played by Chris Evans in it. Who's great in this? I, I think he's really hilarious. He's just yeah. playing like this just like asshole like actor. Like he's really funny in it. I I mean he's not he doesn't have a big part, but I I really enjoy his kind of uh, role in this. Uh, it's at this point you may just start noticing that all of the X's on this in this movie. They have like a numbering system, and all numbers or something about their traits appear in order. So 
uh, on his trailer, there's the number two, and he always points with two fingers. Oh, oh yeah. That's his tell that he is number two. With uh, Matthew Patel, it's less obvious. It's he always He's always constantly pointing with one finger, and he has one chevron on his jacket. Oh, okay. okay. There you go. Yep. Um, and, uh, and Wallace says, hey, it's that one guy. I don't know <laughs> if that was... One that was for that specific, like, oh, he's the first one. But I thought it was funny that Wallace is like, hey, it's that one guy, even though literally they've never met this person before. <laughs> yeah. Um, so him and uh, Lucas Lee had the fight. I love when he throws him like through, like through the air into the castle. He gets enough. He gets beat up by his stuntman. That's great too. <laughs> uh, so I, I have to mention this because it's something I noticed. Uh, it, this is just kind of like radio for one at this point. When he gets thrown at the <laughs> castle and lands on a pallet of concrete bags, it's uh, it's St. Mary's Cement, which was a company I worked for in Detroit for many years. <laughs> so I thought it was funny when I was watching this movie. Uh, I had long since left that company, but it was funny because I'm like, oh, man, that's St. Mary's right there. Look at that. <laughs> which is a Canadian-owned company. Yeah, Radio for I, One, indeed. <laughs> I love that. I love, And I love that he ends up beating Lucas Lee by not fighting him, but by convincing him to uh, try and skate this super long, dangerous <laughs> rail by, like, being like, oh, he doesn't want to do it. I, I think he convinces him to do it, be like, oh, well, there's girls watching. So he tries to do it, I think he gets up to, like, over 200 miles an hour, and he just, like, blows up. Uh-huh. Which is, the fight which is scene with, with the bodyguards was, or the stunt doubles was pretty cool. I think they cut that really well into yes. a way that you can't tell. I mean, you can kind of see, like, a couple points where, you know, they did a lot of clipping. But, yeah. uh, you know, obviously Michael Sarah has a stunt double. He's not doing all those, all those <laughs> martial arts. But it, they did a really good job uh, editing I, that. I do like that, though, because, like, he, he kind of, like, leaves and you think Scott's getting beat up. And then you just hear that, like, Mr. Lee, you're needed back on set. And, like, all the stunt guys, you've beaten them all up. That's pretty great. Um, that was his actual stunt doubles, by the way, that were in that oh, scene. Oh, was it really? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, Scott gets a call from Envy talking about how she's back in town. Um, I like, that's, that's when Knives comes to see him and he like jumps, jumps through the window. The oh, I laugh every time. I laugh so hard at that every single time I see it. Yeah. That's really funny. And then he like reaches back in and grabs his coat. Um, has he, at, at this point, I can't remember. Maybe I didn't, um, He's he he already dumped knives, right? That happened, right? Like I can't remember exactly when that happens. I don't know. He hasn't dumped her yet. Okay. I think because I, I I think it was I right after did. that. Okay. Well, anyway, so he finds out that they're all on the list for the uh, for the show at uh, the Clash of Demon Head show. In fact, I think that they're um, uh, they're gonna in uh, they're gonna open for him. That's what it is. Yeah. They're doing like a secret show, so they're gonna have sex with bomb open for him. Um, <laughs> Knives dyes her hair because she wants to be more like Ramona. Um, yeah, at this point they're broken up because Knives asked Young oh, Neil right. out. Yep. And so she goes to the show with Young Neil. Um, that's when you get that, like we said, that's when they play the song that we played, the Clash of Demon Head song, which is great. Um, uh, to backtrack a little bit, so yeah. when they find out they're doing the opening for Clash at Demon Head, it's uh, Steven Sills going, oh yeah, they're doing a secret show and we're going to open for them. And I think it's Scott that's like, can we do our own secret shows? And Kim's like, all of our shows are secret shows. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
So they go, they get invite, all invited backstage and we're introduced to, you know, Envy and uh, Todd, who's played by Brandon Routh, who's the other, who's the next evil ex. Um, Sorry, I got one more of my favorite quotes no, in this ahead. movie. Um, and it makes me sad because I, I did watch that, uh, that script roundtable read that they did. And this wasn't in it because they did cut a little bit of the script. Uh, right after Sex Bob-omb does their show for the opening at the Lee's Palace, uh, he says to Ramona, Stephen Sills, level with me. Did we suck? And Ramona goes, I don't know. Did you? And walks away. <laughs> and then Stephen goes, she has to go. She knows we suck. <laughs> that is good. Um, uh, they, they talk about, um, oh, no, Todd punches knives. I can't remember why. He figures, she figures something out, like, about the lyrics of the song or no, something. No, she says, you kiss, I kissed the lips that kissed you. That's what it is. And she punches him. She she punches her. He uh, knocks the highlights out of her hairs. <laughs> and then we find out that Todd's a vegan, which apparently uh, in this universe gives you psychic powers if you're a vegan, because like you're not using a full part of your brain or something like that. But it's um... they vaguely <laughs> explain it. Yeah, it's, it's it means... literally the only thing they try to explain in the movie, and it makes no sense. Yeah, uh, t- you only use 10% of your brain. The other 90% is... Curds and whey. Curds and whey. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is. Uh, uh, oh, God. I was going to say, so he's wearing the number three backstage on yep. his shirt, which is obviously he's the third one. That's the more obvious of the of the numbering system. Uh, and he has like three stripes on his shirt, I guess is how they did that one. I like that he, he throws Scott up in the air, and then when Scott crashes down, I love when he says to Ramona, when he's like, if I pee my pants, would you just pretend I got wet in the rain? <laughs> That makes you have, and it also makes me laugh about uh, Brandon Rouse's joke about like when he's talking about the the cleaning lady when he's yeah. like, <laughs> like the cleaning because the cleaning lady comes on Monday and it's Friday like and he has to explain it and no one gets it that makes me laugh. Um, they have that, gets off. They have that sweet bass battle. I love that bass battle that they have. Yeah, it's that, cool. That like shot where they go in and he's just like playing when he after he knocks Scott through the wall and he's just in there kind of playing his bass and then they they have the great bass battle that that's really sweet. Um, so he ends up beating him because he tricks him into drinking the coffee with, uh, with half and half in it. So he broke his, his vegan vows and that's when the vegan police of Thomas Jane and that other guy show up. Don't I get three strikes? And he's like, and they, I like that they, they bring up three things and he's like, that's bull roar. He <laughs> <laughs> ingested gelato was one of them. And then it's, uh, you, you, uh, willfully ate a plate of chicken Parmesan. He's like, chicken isn't vegan. <laughs> He's like, he's like, gelato's not vegan? He's like, it's milk and eggs, bitch. bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they take away his vegan powers, and Scott headbutts him, uh, and he turns into coins like all the other ones. Um, they go to the after party for, I don't know how there's still an after party after, like, a member of the band got killed. But anyways. Um, well, the, the band members never go to their own after party. Oh, that's true. You're and then right. Kim's like, well, then why? Uh, he says, oh, wait, what is it? Uh, Steven goes... The only people that go are people looking for record deals. And then Kim's like, well, then why are we? Oh, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) So at the after party, that's where we're introduced to X number four, which is Roxy. And which is like, because the whole time, like, uh, he keeps saying ex-boyfriends and Ramona keeps saying exes. Yeah. He's correcting him. saying that. (laughs) Yeah. And then we find out because uh, Roxy is a woman. She says she's a little (laughs) 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 bi-furious. It's kind of funny. Um, her and, uh, her and Ramona fight. I love when, uh, Ramona pulls that giant hammer out of her yeah. purse. 
That's this like, might that's... be my favorite fight in the in the movie. I, I don't know oh. why. I think their fight together and then her like puppeting Scott is really cool. It is really good. <laughs> During, uh, Wall, I think Wallace is, is like the, my favorite part of this movie because while the because while Ramona and Roxy are fighting, he yells, "Kick her in the balls." <laughs> <laughs> Which is really funny. But yeah, Scott doesn't want to fight uh, Roxy. So like there's that great, like you said, where like Ramona is basically controlling his legs and feet and is like making him fight her. It's really cool. And like apparently her weak spot is the back of her knee. So Scott yep. just like touches the back of her knee and she like, that's how he ends up beating her. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I find it interesting that Scott, obviously, he was strong enough to fight Matthew Patel with his you know, his arms and his fighting style. But every fight after that has just been more of like logical. Like he figured out other ways to defeat them yep. without physically. Cause obviously Lucas Lee would have beat the crap out of him if he would have went toe to toe. Well, yeah. And that's one of the things that they say that like uh, the Matthew Patel one is the only one that he actually wins single handedly. All the yeah. other ones, he either has help or he has to, you know, like, so it is, yeah, that is interesting. Um, uh, so Roxy's number four is the nightclub they're in is called four. Okay. And in the comic, her name is start spelled R O X I E, and in the movie, it's R O X Y. So it's four letters. Uh, I mean, that one's a bit of a stretch, but that's that's the reason <laughs> that's the reason they gave for why her number is four. So him and Ramona have a fight after this. Um, then the next the next night is the next round of the Battle of the Bands. They're playing um, the the twins. I can't remember what's the twins. Katya Nagi twins. That's it. They're doing like this crazy thing where they actually like it's like a literal battle of the bands where there's two stages. Yeah, amp versus like, amp. Yeah. Thank you. Amp versus amp. Yeah. And uh this is when we're first introduced to Jason Schwartzman's Gideon Graves, because he's there at the show. But Turns I, out I he's re- G Man. G Man, yes. Yep. And I, I really like this sequence with her with her like <laughs> with the two yes. battling of man and like their musics are creating these like giant like monsters that are like fighting each other. It's it's a really cool sequence. Um, yeah. And that's where that, that's where they play uh, Threshold, right? It's during that one. Yep, Threshold. And yeah. he's wearing uh, Scott's wearing a shirt that has the rock band bass logo on it. Oh yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then the Katiagi twins, their number. It said that they had a five and a six on their cuffs, but I couldn't see it. But the other reasoning for them is the knob, which I think is more of a Spinal Tap nod, is that it goes up to eleven, which five and six combined comes to eleven. <laughs> but I think it's more of a Spinal Tap reference than yeah, I think so too. <laughs> so uh, they end up defeating the twins. Uh, Scott gets that one up, which is great because it just like appears and he just like grabs it. I gotta go get yeah. a life. Um, yeah, he's asking what he's doing. He's getting a life. Um, so Gideon wants to sign the uh, the them to a three album contract, uh, but Scott's not into this, uh, so he quits the band and Young Neil takes his place. Um, he has a, he has a talk with his sister, um, kind of about the whole situation. And I think this is what ultimately kind of gets him fired up to like, you know, go and get Ramona back and all that. Yeah. So he he goes to, he goes to the chaos theater to to fight Gideon. I love the first one when the guy asks what the password is and he's just like, whatever. (sighs) And they're like, all right. And then they're like second password and he just sighs and they're like, no, that's right. (laughs) But this so is where were, you get Como's one of his lines from the oh, movie. Yeah, yeah. He's at he's at the Chaos Theater, which by the way is a Earthbound reference. Yeah, because uh, there's a building in Earthbound called the Chaos Theater. Uh, he, he you can hear him say in the background, uh, the first album is much better than the first album. 
<laughs> it's just a, it's a really random, nonsensical thing to say. <laughs> so, um, Scott Challenge is like getting into the fight. That's where he earns the power of love, and it's really sweet because he pulls that sword like out of his chest. It's like that. It's got the heart on the bottom, and it's like a flaming sword. It's really cool looking. Scott um, earned the power of love. Yeah, Scott earned the power of love. Did you guys notice the song that Sex Bobomb was singing? I didn't notice this until like a mm. like most recent watch. Uh, they're singing like this really poppy song, and it's we're having no fun. We're having no fun. No fun. <laughs> no fun. <laughs> Um, so, so they fight, uh, he fights a bunch of dudes. I love that scene when he's fighting all the guys with the swords and he's just like slashing them all and they're all just turning to like coins and stuff. Oh, it's, it's so really, good. Yeah. It, it's really well choreographed and just looks really cool. Cause you got like the band playing and he's like, uh, it's really cool. Um, uh, knives, he's a, he's like kind of Gideon's got him down, but knives shows up to help him. Um, well, she doesn't really show up to help him. She shows up to b- basically kill Ramona. That's right. She shows up to fight Ramona. She does say that she does tell Ramona to get ready to chow down, (laughs) (laughs) which makes me laugh. Um, So they fight, but um, Scott ends up getting stabbed by Gideon through like, like from behind. It's actually kind of brutal. Like he stabs him through the chest from behind. Scott kind of realizes that it wasn't that he was cheating on knives. He was cheating on both of them because he was dating Ramona at the time he was still dating knives. Right. So he, but that one up comes into play because he uses yep. the one up and basically it goes back to when he got the one up and you get, you go through like all the events again, kind of like in fast motion. Uh, I think this time he just like he just punches, punches both, yeah, <laughs> to get his way into the chaos theater. So this time, uh, no, Como, Earned, Como has that? a different line. Oh, this yeah, time. yeah, yeah. Go ahead. This time when you enter, he says, and I think this was the line you were talking about. He yeah. goes, Yeah, I saw it. I just think the comic book is better than the movie. <laughs> So um, this time he uh, Scott earns the power of self-respect. Yep. So he pulls out like another sword because I think he has like a moment where he kind of like apologizes to both knives and Ramona. And it's kind of like, you know, um, uh, unlike last time. So he like learns a lesson. So he gets the power of self-respect. He gets a sword. Um, they fight uh, and they end up fighting Gideon. And it's like a callback to like the moves that they're doing on the uh, that ninja like DDR game that they play where they're like dancing. Yes. Because they used that like in combo to beat him. Um, uh, that's I like when they beat him, and then it's like there's one more challenge to face, and that's when they pull out like Negascott, <laughs> who comes out. And he looks just like him, and he's yeah, I'm not saying that word. That's too close to something. That's a that's a Sphinx word right there. <laughs> I'm gonna call him Shadow Scott. Shadow Scott. Okay. <laughs> Which is clearly a uh, it's a Dark Link reference from. Uh, oh yeah, hundred percent. Awakening or not Link's Awakening? But, uh, the no. Adventures of Link. Yep. Yeah. But I like the fact that, like, you think there's going to be this big fight for him, and they cut to, like, Ramona and Knives, like, waiting outside the, the club, and then the door opens, and they've just become friends. We're going to go to brunch and stuff, and it's like... Yeah, we get a lot in common. <laughs> it's really funny. We're just shooting the uh, shit. Yeah. So, it, so, yeah, so it ends up that uh, Scott and Ramona, are they end up together, and they walk through, like, the door, like, that the, the they introduced early in the movie. And I guess that was the original cut of the movie, is that they had him get, stay with knives, and, like, Ramona just left. Yeah. But then they ended up changing it, because they thought... I think some of the things it says, I, I can't remember why, but, like, that was, like, 
one of the I think they reshot it fairly close to when the movie actually came yeah, out because they changed their mind on it. The story behind that was um they showed well they showed a rough cut they showed a cut to uh to audiences and they didn't particularly care for that that scene and then they showed it to Brian and Lee O'Malley and he's like well the original intention was to have you know, and explain that it was to have Ramona and, and Scott end up together. And so then they rewrote it, him and Brian, Leo Malley rewrote it together. And then they okay. shot that new scene. Got it. Got it. Um, now, did you guys see the, the ending, the other ending? I did. Knives? I've watched it before. I didn't watch it for this, but I know I've seen it before, like on the Blu-ray or whatever. Yeah. Like in my head, I remember thinking, you know, after seeing the movie the first time, I thought, oh, I would really wish he would have ended up with Knives. I thought Knives was Knives was a nicer character. She was always, you know, nice to Scott. You know, I, I thought Ramona had too much baggage. But after watching the ending that they did with Knives, I much prefer the Ramona ending because it's so sad. Like, in the, yeah. in the version they ended up keeping with, where he ends up with Ramona, Knives is more of, like, liberated. Like, I yeah. don't need Scott. And actually, I kind of wish the their ending would have been that Scott ended up with nobody mm-hmm. and realizes that he needs to make himself mature first before he ends up with someone. And then everyone just kind of does their own thing. I think that would have been a better ending in my opinion. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think you're definitely right. And I think you're definitely right about the night scene. Cause I think one of the things that like base what, what you said, like Brian, and Brian Lee O'Malley was like, well, this kind of like, it doesn't serve her character very well because after all this, she ends up with Scott who like treated her so poorly. So right. It was much better for her to be like, well, no, <laughs> to not end up with him. But yeah, I think you're right. I think that would be more of an interesting choice for him to not end up with either of them. But, um, but yeah, I mean, so that's the plot in a nutshell. I mean, it, it, we've scratched the surface probably on a lot of the things involved in this movie because it is so dense. But you know, we would have to do like a, a six part episode probably to cover every, every joke and every little reference and everything. But um, is there anything that we didn't specifically talk about that you guys wanted to throw out there or that we didn't touch on yet as far as like plot points? Yeah, there's a couple things. And I mean, like you said, Joe, to kind of reiterate, it's, it's an Edgar Wright film. So you're going to have so many just like hidden references everywhere. That's just how his movies are done. Cause I think his source material, he's a big fanboy of it. But yeah. I feel like when he takes out yep. a project, he's not just doing it because, oh, it's another job. I think he's doing it because he really likes, you know, the content and he wants to bring it to an audience in a way that he envisions. And I think he does an awesome job about it. And that's why he's such a great director. Um, but one thing I did find out afterwards, uh, the actors in this movie rarely blink. And he wanted everyone to just kind of have like an anime face. So if you watch the movie uh, again next time, um, there's literally almost no blinking and Kim's character actually only blinks once through the entire movie. Like, I guess like Aubrey Plaza and Kim are basically like, don't blink at all through the entire movie. <laughs> That's crazy. I never noticed that. Yeah. And he says, I think in that, uh, that table reading, he says something like, you can all blink here. I don't have to worry about that. And he says <laughs> something about the, apparently you can edit that out now digitally. I didn't know that before. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah, as far as like the, the, like the visuals on the movie work seamlessly with what's going on in the scenes. Like I can't imagine how it would have been to shoot that knowing you would have to insert these little quick blurbs for everything. Like the editing in here is impeccable. It is so well edited because there's certain stuff in here that you're only getting like, you know, at most one second 
to kind of add something in. And yeah. it's it, every spot where they could add something, there is something added and it's added to the, to increase the value of the scene. It's not just added to add. Um, it's really smartly done just in general. Yeah. And I, um, it, it, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say one more thing. Cause I know I, I mentioned everybody's numbers and Gideon's thing was there was just like sevens everywhere when you went to battle him. Like he gives you like seven million points and it's level seven, like in big colors when he enters the room. There's a lot of seven there. Uh, and actually his symbol is the Triforce. I forgot to mention that. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's upside down. Yep. But uh, the thing I didn't notice until years later was Scott is zero. He's always wearing the Smashing Pumpkins yeah. zero shirt. Uh, he only drinks Coke zero. And when he's about to defeat Gideon, Gideon says, I got it right here, you're nothing, you're zero. So oh, he's supposed yeah. to be like the, I'm not an evil ex, essentially, yet. Right. We don't, we don't know what the what the future holds for them, too. But, <laughs> right. But yeah, he's he's zero as you go through the number, numbering. That's kind of nice. neat. I never caught that either. Yeah. And that's, I feel like this is one kind of movie you can rewatch and catch things that you didn't realize Mm-hmm. With each viewing, it's so dense and has so much stuff packed into it. Um, do you have any uh, role reversal for this, LPJ? Uh, yeah, I do, actually. Uh, not a ton. Uh, and I don't have anything really specific. All I could find okay. was that uh, Robert Pattinson, Sebastian Stan both tried out for uh, audition for the movie. It didn't specifically say who. I would assume that they were probably Scott Pilgrim because they would have been around that age. Um, so, so I know that Edgar Wright had vision, uh, Michael Sarah for Scott Pilgrim. So he had no other choices oh, for that. I know okay. That, yeah. Then it could have been Lucas Lee, maybe. Yeah. It could have been any of the evil Gideon, yeah, yeah. It could have been, yeah. uh, Ro- Rooney Mara. Uh, I would imagine probably for Ramona. That could uh, be, uh, Zoe Kazan, um, probably for Ramona. Uh, Betty Gilpin was also, uh, auditioned for it. Um, that's really all I could find. There really wasn't a lot. I got a, I got the feeling that they kind of had an idea of who they wanted to go with sort of from the get-go. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the cast uh, is amazing. I mean, you can't beat that cast. No, you can't. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's great. And actually, oh, one of the things I found out, the, the parts where Aubrey Plaza's talking and they're bleeping out her dialogue – yeah, that wasn't initially in the plan. Um, they had already used up their one F word to keep it a PG thirteen rating, and so it, or no, I'm sorry, let me back that up. Scott calls Todd a cocky cock, and that ate up their quota, I guess, to keep it PG thirteen. So anytime they were going to use one F word someplace, uh, and had to cut it, and so they just got the idea to have Aubrey Plaza swear a bunch of times, and we'll just bleep her out. <laughs> that's awesome that's pretty great uh, um, the game the, I don't know did you guys ever play the game yes yeah I think I did it was we like, played in Jody's like a, a lot yeah because I, I made uh, I made Jody download it it's like a it's like a side scrolling like platform it's, it's a like, beat em up like, yeah, yeah it me, I was going to say it reminded me of like a double dragon or something like yeah. that like, but like in the style of Scott Pilgrim mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's very very based off of like a more artsy River City Ransom, like a more updated River City Ransom. Yeah, with anime style, and uh, I played it over a buddy's house like years ago, and I remember after the movie came out, I saw it for the first time. I was like, I should just download this game and 
you know, have it on my system and beat it all the way through. Well, you nope. Because they pulled it off of the market in like 2014 for some licensing uh, that had expired or something like that. Oh, man. So but, you, so you, they, oh, go ahead. Good news. Yeah, LPJ, go ahead. They're re-releasing it uh, coming up. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, this winter you're supposed to get like a complete version or something with all the DLC included this this holiday season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember it being a lot of fun to play. Like, I remember it being super, uh, super fun game. So, and the the soundtrack was done by a band called Anamanaguchi, um, who oh, yeah. does they, they do it's called chip tunes. Basically, it's sounds they take from uh, video game systems, and they actually took video game systems like NESs and Game Boys, and somehow managed to access their sound chips and downloaded the individual sounds to. Um, like a keyboard and actually make whole albums just using sounds from an NES. <laughs> and I have, I have a couple of their albums they are really good. Yeah. I have endless fantasy. That one's really good. Yeah. That one's good. Yeah, the one before that too, their first album is, is great. Nice. Um, anyone have anything else before we get into our ratings on this or should we, no, should we uh, rate this? Horror Joe, you did a great job. I think you're, <laughs> I can from now on this point you will be known as Joe. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Thank you. All right. Well, that's that. Let's uh, let's rake this thing. All right, there, glitch. You get to pick. Oh, let me pause that. Sorry, I kept going. My apologies. <laughs> I always have trouble with that one for some reason. Um. So, do you want to go first and rate this, or do you want to have one of us go first? Uh, I want Joe to go first. Oh, calling <laughs> you out. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah, I I really really love this movie. Um, I had kind of forgotten how much I enjoyed this movie because, like I said, it had been a year or two since I had watched it, and I really don't know why. Uh, this was a movie that I would frequently watch, and, and it's just really good. Like I like I like Edgar Wright. I like the comic books, and just like this. Just them together on this, it's just it's, it's really good, and I just like the music's all good, and it's legitimately funny, and I just I really don't have a lot of bad things to say about it, and it 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 it, it like I said, you can keep watching it and pick up on things because it is so dense, and just like I mean, just going through it now, I mean, I think Glitch brought up five things that I didn't even realize were in there, so it's like oh, next time I watch it, I can pay attention to those things. So I don't know, you know, I I, I kind of in my mind. Wasn't sure where I was going to go with this, but you know what? I'm just going to pull the trigger and I'm going to say five machine guns on this because I really do love this movie and it's something I can keep watching and will continue to keep watching. So I'm going to go five, five machine guns. Uh, yeah. You know what? Everything, everything hovercraft Joe said uh, times, times a million um, for, for whatever reason, this movie's great. Like everything about it works. And um, even the stuff that seemingly doesn't work still works for it. Uh, yeah, it's it's for me. It's a five machine gun movie. Awesome. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's Edgar Wright. I'm a big fan of his work. Go watch Space if you haven't watched it already. I'm pretty sure it's on like Netflix or something. Fantastic show. Uh, uh, I'm just glad I was able to snipe this this movie before like Miggy. Or Xander had like reached out to him like, oh yeah, I want to just got Pilgrim. I'm glad I was able to get on this. <laughs> I actually, I have a um, bit of a story about that. Oh, okay. Uh, and I'm going to give this the same rating I gave Loaded Weapon 1, the Glitch Special, 
Six out of five. Six out of five. <laughs> there it is. Yep. Nice. Brilliant. So yeah, so it is a good thing you got this in uh, because uh, our friend uh, Chris, uh, I don't even know what he goes by anymore, Spidey2KX. Yeah. So Chris, I had a I had a show previous to this one called the LPJ Show, and Chris was my my on screen partner for it. And uh, when I told him I was doing this podcast, when I was starting this podcast, the first thing he said to me is, I want to be on to do Scott Pilgrim. So <laughs> this was two years ago. So I have been trying to get him on this show for the past two years, and he keeps blowing me off. So finally, I said, forget it. And as soon as you said Scott Pilgrim, I said yes. So I'm not waiting for him anymore. I'll break the news uh, to Spidey. Yeah, let him know. Let him know <laughs> we did Scott Pilgrim because his ass stream. didn't want to respond to me. <laughs> Next time he's playing League of Legends live on stream, I'll just be like, hey, guess what? <laughs> yeah, please do. Tell him LPJ says hi and eat a dick. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, this is uh, this is a really fun movie. And if it's something you haven't watched before, like, like we said, it is on Netflix. It's super accessible and easy to watch these days. So I would say check it out if you haven't. Or if you saw it once, you know, a while ago and you weren't sure about it, give it a second try. Because I think it, I think it is something that maybe, you know, it, it, it can grow on you a little bit. Is if you, maybe it didn't completely connect with you the first time. That I think repeat viewings, it, it does, you know, it, it almost gets better with repeat viewings in my mind. So. I agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Glitch, what do you want to plug? Uh, I am on a show called The Legend of Retro. We have episodes that release every Thursday. Uh, we talk about a specific game as well as do a retro relapse where we play a game we're not too familiar with. And then, or we actually have now just recently started doing Retro Rewind where we talk about a period in which the game came out. So if you are into retro video games and you love hearing about us, you know, fanboy about the music and composers composers and the development of the thing go check it out it's on the gamesville media podcast same place you can find any of the podcasts like last action podcast yep and joe and i have both been a guest on the show me several times joe at least once uh just one so far i'm sure to be i'm sure more soon and we've done we've done we've done a couple crossovers official and unofficial crossovers (laughs) the the unofficial are the most fun uh (laughs) And, and I, I think I feel like we're constantly spit, spitballing more uh, crossovers. Are you talking about like, Wheels on Meals uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, Kung Fu? Yeah, hey, Kung Fu. The unofficial crossover. They were they they felt ambushed by that, uh, <laughs> but they went along with it, so it was okay. Uh, do you yeah, want no. Do you want to plug the uh, Morelli video game tournament? Yeah, thanks for mentioning that. Uh, I mean, everything's kind of on hiatus because of COVID nineteen. Um, but I do have a website up. Um, if you go to, oh my God, what is it's MVG.com, right? Oh my God. Yes. I don't even know the name. Of, it's yes. Morelli, no, it's, it's Morelli VGT.com. Um, uh, twice a year, I usually put on a, a charity tournament. I pick a charity at random. It usually has something kind of do with my personal life. This one that we're going to hopefully get to do next time is going to be for MDA. So muscular dystrophy. Um, you know, each time we have an event, we raise more money, we give out raffles. It's a real fun time. Essentially what I do is I just, I pick some random games. Nobody kind of knows what games we're going to play ahead of time. Everyone comes there blinded and we do like preliminary rounds and then I do like a head to head thing. I got trophies, I hand out gift cards. It's a, it's a fun time. The wife makes like gigantic meals for everyone to eat. It's great. Um, it's a fun time, but with COVID and everything, we had to postpone all, both events this year. 
and hopefully you know next year things kind of chill so we can we can get that back up and running yeah it's so much fun it is a great great game go ahead sorry. yeah yeah moreliavgt.com uh i'll keep posting updates when we get them but as far as i know covid's not going to stop anytime soon (laughs) no sadly no yeah but the morelli tournaments are they're a lot of fun um you get to essentially it's a big meet and greet for uh, the entire GameZilla Media uh, staff. So yep. if you want to meet us, show up to the Marmalade Video Game Tournament, donate some money, help a good cause, and uh, you know we'll glad hand some people. We're we're, we're not beyond that. <laughs> um, yeah. So glitch, thanks for being here, man. Man, yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's 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 always great having you on uh, because not only do you bring fun movies to watch. But also, I feel like you do a lot of the heavy lifting for us when you're on the episode. It's always great. You really do. We know that that you're going to come prepared with a lot of facts and a lot of stuff, and it it, it helps out, you know? Yeah. I'm I'm a studier. It's funny because on an episode, I think it was when we did our uh, 200th episode for Legend Retro, uh, one of the questions I think Denny had asked was, you know, how long do we do research for? And I didn't realize, but apparently I do like three times as much research. As all. <laughs> like, like, uh, Chops and Xander are like, yeah, I'll do like an hour or two on a game I know. And Craig's like, yeah, I'll do like two hours worth. And I'm sitting here like, shit, I spent like 10 hours like looking up stuff and watching <laughs> runs and like long plays and history. And you don't know gamings and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to bring up the level of research that all of us do on this show. <laughs> I would be at the bottom of the list. <laughs> by a yeah, lot I, I, I do i i'll be i'll be honest with you i feel like every episode i'm you're surprised when i ask you if you have any role reversals you're like oh yeah i guess i do <laughs> <laughs> i never, I never remember <laughs> but no uh it, like i said and now, now that we know that you are a movie guy we'll have to have you back on more frequently yeah i'll, I'll send you guys a list of stuff yeah it'll, it'll probably be more like you know, Godfather and Memento, and you'll turn me down, but I'll still throw them at you and see what you guys say. <laughs> no, that's fine. Like I said, I'll I'll tell you what we're doing off air in our next two episodes, and you okay. will. Uh, I think you'll laugh. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Uh, I guarantee you, you'll laugh. But yeah, no, thanks so much. It was, it was a lot of fun. And, and again, if you if anyone listening to this has not watched the movie, give it a shot because I think I think you'll like it. I agree. Well, this episode of the Last Action Podcast has been terminated but we'll be back